from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever's in our heart the most is going to be what comes out of our mouth. And Romans chapter 10, verse 8, But what saith it? Now he's talking about faith. What saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now listen to what he said. That if thou shalt believe, shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now there in that verse 10, and I'm not, going, I'm not trying to do this favor to the Word of God, please understand that. But I'm trying to help us understand a principle here that we need to get a hold of. That with the heart man believes. With the heart. You don't believe with your mind. You don't believe with your hands. You don't believe with your eyes. You don't even believe with your ears. You believe with that spirit being, which is your heart man, inside of you. Now, words are so important because, as we'll see, we talked about this a little bit last Sunday, but we're going to get back into this again today. Words carry a sentence with them. And what I don't mean that a word being a sentence, don't get me wrong, but it carries a sentence with it, and words carry either a sentence of death or a sentence of life. And when we can realize the importance of the words that we speak and realize that our words are either going to cause life to begin to happen, life to be increased, or it's going to give way to death beginning to work in our life and our family, death in our finances, death in our body, when we have the opportunity to speak life in all of these things. So, with the heart, man believes. Believes. And then with the mouth, confession is made. Now, what does the mouth confess? The mouth confesses what the heart believes. And so that leaves very little room for, I don't know where that come from. That leaves very little room for, I didn't mean to say that. That leaves very little room for accidental slips of the tongue to take place. Because the tongue is only going to speak what the mouth, or what the heart is believing, what is most in the heart. Remember Matthew 12, from the abundance, the Amplified Translation says, from the super overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now it seems like in most of these things that we talk negative. And, and we need to understand that, that, that there's a negative side to talking about what we believe and what we say. And so, uh, because we don't want to speak death. We want to learn to speak life. We want to learn to confess life. And the only way we can confess life is confess the things the Word of God says and confess the ideas that come from the Word of God. And I'm talking about God ideas, not traditional ideas that, that we've been bombarded with over the years. So many things that has got into our thinking, has got into our heart because that this is the way that Granddaddy said it. Now, Granddaddy was a good man. Don't get me wrong, okay? And I'm not putting nobody's Granddaddy down because I had Granddaddies and they were all good Granddaddies and, and, and endeavored to live right and do right. But there were some things that my Granddaddy said that I 
I didn't maybe hear them exactly, but I've heard other people talk about things that they said that just really don't line up with the Word of God. And so I don't want to be caught up in doing those things. You see, so many times we think, well, I'm this way because my daddy was or my granddaddy was. And, and there's things that are good that granddaddy and daddy did. Things are, that are good that grandmother and mother did and said. Things are good things, and we need to take those good things. But don't resign yourself to the fact of saying, well, I'm just this way because that's the way my grandma was or that's the way my mother was. No, no, no. See, we think a lot of times and we hear a lot of talk about generational curses. And, and we hear that in, in line of health and, and you know, one thing that gets me is so much stuff that goes on in our generation is because we're kin to the generation before us. And it's just in our genes, you know. I, I hear folks say things like this, well, cancer runs in my family. Well, I decided one day that I was going to get hooked up with the family of Jesus Christ. And in the family of Jesus Christ, because of His blood, cancer don't run in the family of, the, of Jesus Christ. I mean, can you imagine that going on in heaven? Got to check in the local cancer center on, on Hallelujah Square. No, there's not one there. Okay? So what I'm saying, folks, because we're redeemed, like what we heard about, that's not just our habits. That's just not our thoughts. Or ideas, but that's our whole being is redeemed. And our bloodline, we don't have to accept these things in our bloodline because I've got a new bloodline now, and I don't have to resign myself to cancer, heart trouble, all of these other kind of things, blood pressure, diabetes, and all of this just runs in my family. And, and because here's the thing about it. If these things are in your family, you need to make up your mind and say it stops right here, right now. It's not going to run in my family any longer because of the blood of Jesus Christ is going to have to run from my family because by His stripes we're healed. Right? And you say, well, now, Pastor, science says that all of this stuff it is handed down. I remember one time a doctor told me that cancer now trouble because it was in my jeans. I said, I'll never wear jeans again. I'm going to put on dress pants from now on. Get rid of these jeans. <laughs> don't wear these jeans. I, I don't know so much. I, I believe there's generational curses. Don't get me wrong. I believe there's things that will hand down through the generation. But I'm going to tell you what I believe more than generational curses, and that's generational words. And it's words that have been spoken about us by our family are words that we speak about ourselves because of our family. Now, what's biggest in our heart? What Grandpa said or what God said? Grandpa may have said, boy, ain't nobody in my family ever going to be worth anything. So you heard what Grandpa said, and you know, yeah, ain't never going to be worth anything anyway. Whenever God said, no, you're redeemed, you're precious, and I love you. I'm making somebody out of you. You're something. You're, you're worth enough. I gave my son for you on the cross of Calvary. And you need to quit saying those kind of things about yourself. Let me tell you something, folks. You're not ignorant, dumb, stupid. You, you're not to the point to where you can't learn. And you're not ugly. You're not. You know, the saying is that everybody's pretty to somebody. And then we hear this thing, boy, that's somebody only a mother could love. Well, I got news for you. Okay? He made me beautiful. 
Ain't that right, Jonah? He did. He made me that way. And I may not be pretty to nobody else, but I am to God. And I'm going to tell you something else, too. If nobody on this earth loves David Carroll, God loves me. He loves me. He cares for me. And thank God for that this morning. Now, I, what, what I want in my heart, why, why are words so important? The words that we speak. Ah, we ain't just going through life, no matter what we say. Yes, it does matter what we say. Because you see, words, they're the way that we express ourselves. This is the way that we communicate with words. Even someone that is mute, they have a way to communicate with sign language or script, but they're words, they come out words. And it's the way we connect with people. We connect with people, we connect with God through words. What does this say? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. And then it goes on down in verse 13 here in Romans, and it says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How do you call on Him? You don't call on Him by winking. You don't even call on Him by thinking, unless you're thinking words. But with words is how we call on God. So we connect, we connect. And here's another thing too. Are we disconnect? with people, and we disconnect with God through words, words that we speak, the things that comes forth out of our mouth. Now, I want to remind you again of Proverbs chapter 18. Let's go look at that. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20, 21. Proverbs 18, verse 20 and 21. Are y'all cool enough in here this morning? Do we need the air adjusted? Brother Mary, would you sort of fix that for us there? Thank you. Words are important because they hold life or death. Now, we've already said that. You know that. Or we can say it this way. Words are important because they hold faith or unbelief. I, I don't know if my words... I, I, you mean if I'm not talking faith, I'm talking unbelief? If you're not talking in line with faith, with the Word of God, with what you firmly convinced and believe in the Word of God, then you're going to have to be talking unbelief. Life and death, blessing and curses, faith or unbelief. And he said, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. That don't mean just what you eat, okay? What you eat is not the fruit of your mouth. It's just what comes out, all right? And it's not that you put into your body that defiles your body. You know, I've thought about using that verse a lot of times for getting big and fat. It's not that I put in that hurts me. But that's not right, is it? I rebuke that thought because I know that won't work. It's not any good. Uh, I talked with, share this with y'all here, I talked with Brother Henry Melton yesterday and we're, he's still trying to get things to where he could come. But he told, he told me that when Sister Clara had that stroke back nearly a year ago now, she weighed 281 pounds. And they didn't realize she weighed that much, but she did. And he told her, she told him later on the way to the hospital, Father, if you heal me and allow me to live at this time, I covenant with you that whatever it takes, I'm going to lose weight. She did without being able to do physical exercise, and she is staunch 
If anything is set before her that she knows she don't need to eat, she'll just tell them, take that away. Her 80, 82, she's lost 86 pounds. Her 80, 82 years old has lost 86 pounds. And, and she says she wants to lose 20 more. And, and she can with this kind of attitude. But what I'm saying, you know what caused that to happen that way? She began to speak life to her body and didn't take the word of death that the doctors was pronouncing over her. And so Brother Henry said, tell everybody hello. And just as soon as he could, he was going to come and, and worship with us and preach to us. So I wanted to share that with you. Your words hold life or death, faith or unbelief. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, I didn't, I didn't get this one down, Bo. I'm sorry about that. I just now noticed that I didn't. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, listen to what he said. Verse 15, and then verse 19. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15 says, See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. Now he's setting the same, the same thing is set before us today. Children are not born talking good because of the in, inherent sin that comes along with being a human being. They have to be taught to talk good. But somewhere along the line, it seemed like we missed that. And we quit talking good. We quit talking sweet. The words that we say is not sweet, are not sweet and good anymore. Verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses, therefore choose life, that both thou and thy seed or thy family may live. Now how do we choose life? We choose life by talking life. And the only way we can talk life is that we have a heart that's full of life, the word of life. And, and we'll get more into that later. But, but here's, here's, I was thinking just this, this week about the, the children of Israel. As they came up out of Egypt, and God had brought them across the Red Sea, brought them through the wilderness, gave them water, gave them bread, gave them meat, gave them all of these things, and they just continually murmured against God. They continually murmured against the man of God. Now, I don't know what you believe, and what I, here's what I feel like. I, I guess I watch too many Westerns, and I sort of picture all of these Hebrew children in their own little individual camps out here in the big camp, and they got a campfire going and sitting around the campfire boiling coffee or whatever they drank back in that day, you know. This is just my, my idea of this. And around those campfires, there was a lot of conversations that were going on. And there was conversations about, man, we're going to die here in the wilderness. Uh, we're never going to make this trip. I'm tired of all of this, just bread every day, bread every day, bread every day. And, and, you know, and the water, man, the water is terrible out here. And just constantly grumbling. And, and they grumbled against Moses. Man, if you brought us out here, who is God? Where is God? And, and they grumble because one time Moses went off to pray for 40 days. Constantly grumbling. Constantly grumbling and complaining. And every time they spoke words of this way, it was disconnecting them from the grace of God. Now, God had determined that He wanted them to, to enter into the promised land. Two years after they left Egypt, they came up to Kadesh Barnea. And at Kadesh Barnea, 
You know the story about how that Moses appointed the spies and sent them into the promised land, and, and they went over there, 12 of them. Among those was Caleb and Joshua. You know, it's strange that all of these spies were given names, and you can read them in chapter 13, the first part of it, every one of them's name, but the only two that are remembered, the only two that we ever think about by name are Caleb and Joshua. Isn't that something? You know why that we think about those and we don't think about the others' names? is because these were the only two out of the twelve that truly believed God and kept their words in line with what God had said to them. The others, uh, Caleb and Joshua, lived on for many years, and uh, 80 to 100 years after this time. But, but these men died within the next few years. These other ten died. God said they'll die of the plagues. Well, what, what brought that about? Well, you remember they went and they spied out the land. And when they came back, they came back bearing grapes, big old grapes. It took two of them to carry one bunch. They had pomegranates. They had fruit, all of this stuff from the land. And they came back and said, man, this land over there is just exactly like you said it'd be. Just exactly. Man, look here. It's a beautiful land. It's a fertile land. And, And look at the fruit of the land. This is something like we've never, ever witnessed before. You know, I've often thought about those grapes being that big. Reckon why they were that big. Well, it could have been because there was giants over in that land and giants needed big grapes. They didn't learn how to grow big grapes. I heard a preacher say that, that not only that, but the reason there's giants in that land is because that giants don't live in houses with eight-foot ceilings and, and, and full-size beds. They live in houses with 10-foot ceilings and king-size beds, and that's what the children of Israel are going to inherit. That didn't mean nothing to you, did it? It just shows that whatever's going on, God's got better for us. Amen? Now listen. They, they came back, and they said, it's beautiful. But I want you to notice, if you'll look in... Uh, I didn't put this. That's what I get for doing it right at the last minute, isn't it? Numbers thirteen twenty-eight. See, they were they the people were no doubt all excited. Man, yeah, yeah. Tell us more. Tell us more. Tell us more. But listen to what they said. Nevertheless, now I don't know if you've ever took time to look up this word nevertheless. You say, what does that mean, nevertheless? I'm fixing to tell you what it means. In essence. Nevertheless means everything I've set up unto you to you until right now is not important. But what I'm fixing to say to you is really important. That's what they were saying. That's what it means, the word in the Hebrew language. They came back with a good report. They were telling about how beautiful it was. But they're saying, look, that don't mean anything. That don't mean anything because the people... And that land are strong, they dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great, and more where we saw the children, giants. We saw the giants there. Children of Anak. Goliath and all of his family. We, we, this, is what, this is what we saw. All of this other, it don't matter that it's a beautiful land. It don't matter that God's given it to us. It don't matter. It don't matter any of these things. And it makes me wonder whose campfire these guys had been sitting around as they was wandering these two years in the wilderness. They were sitting around those like Nathan and, 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 and Dothan that, that 
rose up against Moses and said, you're not the only prophet. Others can prophesy, but you know what happened to them, don't you? The ground opened up and swallowed up them and their families and then closed back up on them. You say, boy, that's awful. Well, what they were doing with their words, they were disconnecting themselves from God. And it created in them an evil heart of unbelief. So these, these guys said, it's just like he said, but don't, don't, don't even think about it. Don't think about it. Don't even go there. We can't get in there and we can't take this land because of the way everything is. And they went ahead and said this. So we saw the giants there and we were as grasshoppers in our eyes and were grasshoppers in their eyes also. Now I know there's 15 different ways I could preach from right there and have over the years. But what they were saying, this is the things that their heart had got full of. This is the things that were coming out of their mouth. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 8, I want you to look at this with me. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 8. Harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. You know, we've all, I've, I've often heard that said and thought used to think that in the wilderness it was God trying them and proving them and testing them. Well, this verse right here opens up a whole new aspect of that right there. When you're, The day of temptation, the day of provocation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me and proved me or provoked me and saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with this generation and said, they do always err in their heart. Now, where are they erring at? Come on, y'all help me out. Where are they erring? In their heart. And what was happening with what they were doing in their heart, it was coming out their mouth. And it was, it was poisoning the lives of those around them. They always err in their heart. And they have not known my ways, so I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Have we got some more of that verse? We won't go through. I missed something there. Verse 13. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. I think verse 12 is where I wanted to be, Bo. Oh, wonderful modern technology, isn't it? And it works good whenever I work good. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now, he's, this is a warning. He's coming to us. God had done all these things, had said all these words, had, had given them every reason to believe that regardless. I mean, look. If God can deliver me from Egypt and all that that was, surely He can take care of a few giants, right? So, so He, we got, we got to realize that we need to change our talk, our communication with God and about God, and get in the truth of the Word of God and see what it says. Lest there be in any of us an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now, there was two guys that sat around a different campfire. I believe these two guys, well, I know Joshua did because he was Moses' right-hand man. And I believe he sat around 
around the campfire where Moses was talking. And Moses was just continually telling them how God was going to deliver them, how God was going to help them, how God was going to give them that land over there. That land is just right across this river. This land that y'all have, are going to go spy out, God's going to give this to us, guys. And here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to be leaders and know that you can trust the living God and know that you walk in His Word, that God will be with you. You see the difference in that and what the other scenario was about how they're not going to make it, they're going to starve to death. And even if they do get over there, the giants are going to kill their children. Can you imagine telling your children that around a campfire? Boy, they'd go to bed and sleep good that night, wouldn't they? Yeah. I don't want to go to sleep tonight. They break through the tent door and get me. They do that kind of thing, don't they? Can you imagine? But, but here, they were getting something good. Some good things were coming about. See, the ones that were always murmuring and complaining continued to murmur and complain. But the ones that were talking about the good things of God began to see the good things of God take place in their life. See, the evil heart that was in these guys he talked about in Hebrews chapter 3 didn't happen overnight. They didn't wake up one morning and say, well, we're just not going to believe God anymore. don't care what we see in that land. We're just not going to believe God. They didn't do that. It, it was a process of time. So, you see, that's the reason that you need to begin to die. God's Word is not big and foremost in your heart. And if you're, and if you're bearing fruit out of your mouth that you don't want, you need to repent of that and begin to put good, good seed into your heart so to produce a good tree that'll bear good fruit, you'll have a good heart and you'll speak the good things of God out of your mouth in every situation. You'll speak with that word of love instead of that word of hate like J.J. talked about. You'll speak when it's important, when it's necessary. You'll speak the right things at the right time. This week I went and got a haircut and I was sitting in the barbershop and I was listening to all this talk and they were down on the Democrats and down on the Republicans and down on this one and down on that one, the mayors and governors and everything. And I just sat over listening, just listening. Can you imagine me just sitting listening and not saying anything? I did. I just sat there listening and not saying nothing. So uh, when uh, I got in the barber's chair, Van said, uh, Brother Carroll, you sure are quiet today. And I said, well, there's an old proverb that I think I just came up with. And it is, he who listens much and speaks least learns more. You can't, t- you can't learn while you're talking. You know that, don't you? You can't even, you, you can't even think and talk the same, uh, uh, different things. You, you think what you say. You say what you think at, at the same time. And so, so it's, it's, that's the way it is. If you listen more, you learn more. And then when you talk, what you say is going to be worthwhile. Right? Let me tell you something else. I, the devil, y'all know who he is, don't you? By the way, he's not a friend of mine. He's been talking. Y'all heard that song, The Devil Been Talking? He's been talking. Let me tell you what he's been saying to me lately. And, and, and I'm saying this because I'm telling you what I'm using for ammunition against it, Okay? The devil has been saying to me lately, you're going to get off on it. What are you saying? And you're going to start talking junk out of your head and you're going to be an embarrassment to everybody around you. And I said, devil, I do not receive your prophecy 
Your prophecy is like that of Baal trying to curse the children of Israel. God has blessed me and, what, and who God has blessed. You can't curse. So I'll tell you what I'm determined to do. I'm determined to fill up my heart in the days of my life with as much of the Word of God as I possibly can so I can think good things, so I can meditate on good things, and so I can say good things. Regardless of what kind of condition I may come in, nothing but praise and glory to Almighty God is going to come out of my mouth. I'm determined for that. And, and I'm not afraid. I'm not one bit afraid. I'm not, I'm not afraid of, of, of losing my mind and, and you know, uh, getting forgetful and getting dementia. I'm not afraid of that. And, and the reason is, is because I know I'm not expecting to receive that. I'm expecting to receive a good, sound mind every day of my life that I live here on this earth. Let me show you something. I don't, I don't deny that dementia and Alzheimer's and all of these other things exist. They're there. And, and I know people that are, are dealing with these kind of situations, their individual self and their families. And, and what I'm saying is by no means a put down to anyone. None at all. I want you to notice something. So many times... In our efforts to try to say the right things, we say the wrong things. Let me give you this for example. It's one thing is we believe, just I'm going to use healing. For, for someone's sake, well, I'm not sick. I don't accept sick. Now, I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I'm not sick. And everything in the world looks like going wrong with me. My reply is this. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I don't deny sickness and disease exists. But by faith I deny the right to exist in my body. You see the difference? And, and if symptoms show up, I'm not going to glorify them or deny them. I'm not going to be moved by these things, but I'm going to be moved by the Word of God that says by His stripes we are healed. And that's, that's what I'm looking to. And so instead of saying... I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. My de declaration is, by His stripes I'm healed, by His stripes I'm healed, by His stripes I'm healed, by His stripes I'm healed. Now why do I say that? Because that's what's in my heart. And that's what comes out of my mouth. And any time I catch something else coming out of my mouth, I stop and I repent over that thing. It's just, and it's that way in every area. I refuse to listen to anyone tell me and I'll never let it come out of my mouth that I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. I'm not an old sinner saved by grace. I'm a child of God. And I'm not going to use the excuse, well, we're only human. The Bible says if you're only human, you're carnal. Read Romans 8. And it said the carnal mind is enmity against God. And you can't be carnally minded and spiritually minded at the same thing. The carnally minded minds the things of the flesh or, or minds the... the, the the thoughts of the flesh and the words of the flesh and the works of the flesh and is using the flesh for an excuse. But the spiritual mind minds the things of the Spirit, the Spirit of Almighty God. So I need my heart right and I need my heart producing right foods so I can speak the right words about myself. I can communicate the right things to myself. I want you to notice that Caleb and Joshua, if you'll read that story, they, when, when these guys got up and said, whoa, there's giants in the land. And nevertheless, to forget all of that other giants in the land, we can't go in there. They didn't get up and say, there's not giants. They wouldn't run around and say, there's not giants, there's not giants, there's not giants. I refuse to believe there's giants. So these guys had seen the giants. 
But what they said trumped what these other guys said. But God brought us this far and God can take us on. Giants or no giants, folks. It doesn't know any difference what's going on in this life. God can bring us on and bring us through and bring us out of this thing. Amen? In Numbers 22, ten times, God said ten times, these people have tested me, tempted me. He told Moses, he said, Moses, get out of the way, I'm going to kill them and I'll make of you a great nation. I'm just going to kill them and do away with them. Well, i tell you what, it don't pay to have an evil heart of unbelief, does it? Moses said, no, God, you can't do that because if you do, all of Egypt will laugh at you and these folks from the land where we're going won't take us seriously. You can't do that. They'll say you could bring them out, but you couldn't bring them in. I want you to know the God I serve, not only able to deliver you, but to keep you and present you faultless before him at his coming. Amen? You ought to give the Lord a hand clap for that. <laughs> Hallelujah talking against Moses and against God. It led them to the we can't and we're without hope and we will, we will go back. Now, by their own words, they were condemned. Numbers chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. I did get this one right, Bo. That's all right. We'll get it together. Bo does a good job, don't y'all think? Have to put up with me. He does a real good job. This is verses 2 and 3 here, not 23. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought to us this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey, were it not better for us to return unto Egypt? This is their words. They spoke stout words against God. And God took those words out of their evil heart of unbelief and gave them what they believed. In verse 27, Numbers 14, 27 through 32, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmured against me? I have heard the murmuring of the children of Israel which they murmured against me say unto them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord God, as you have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness, and all that, all that were numbered of you according to your whole numbers from twenty years old and upwards, which have murmured against me, doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb the son of Japheth and Joshua the sons of Nun, but your little ones which you said should be a prey them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which you have deserted or despised. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness. Didn't know what they said? Why? Because they were dealing with an evil heart of unbelief. They were dealing with a heart that was getting further and further away from believing God. And folks, when we latch on to the things of this world, when the evening or nightly news is more important to us than the Word of God. When sitting glued to Fox News or whatever news channel you watch is more important than the Word of God, you're sitting around a campfire of doubt and unbelief. And this is what you hear. You go to work and you hear it sitting around that campfire. Or you go to school and you hear it 
You go to the marketplace and you hear it. And then we bring it back to our homes. And so many times that's what our families hear as we sit around that campfire of doubt and unbelief. And we put that ahead of the Word of God. And we get further and further and further until we have an evil heart of unbelief. Folks, I don't want that. And I don't want that for you either. That's one reason I believe the Lord instructed us to have this in the month of April, of having the families to sit down together and spending time together in the Word of God and in, and in prayer, just the family together doing that. Why? Because, listen, Daddy, your children need to hear good things come out of your mouth. They don't need to hear grumbling and complaining. Listen, mothers, your children need to hear good things come out of your mouth. They need to hear how important those around you are, and they need to hear that out of the daddies, and husbands and wives need to hear that from each other. Why? Because when you do that, you're speaking life. Speaking life to them. It's in the power of your tongue. Because we speak death so much, we need to speak life to those around us. We need to speak it out of our heart and, and let them understand, hey, they, we're precious, and God has something for us. And it's not just settling for what the world throws out here. We're not going to die in this wilderness, but we're going to pick up from this place and go on. We're going to move on from here, and we're going to see our family closer together and stronger than our family's ever been before. God said, this is what I'm going to bless. And he told them, said, your children are going to be blessed. Let me tell you something, mothers and daddies. Your children are going to be blessed in the land that God has given you. In the area, the field that they're going into, they're going to be blessed. And you need to fall in line with the program and speak blessing over them and encouragement over them and to see that they're blessed in this. How can I get back away from, look like I'm pointing towards a heart, an evil heart of unbelief. We come back to the verse that we used to begin with. And that is, this is what faith says. If thou shalt believe in thine heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with thy mouth that he's Lord, thou shalt be saved, thou shalt be forgiven, thou shalt be renewed. Folks, that's something I do nearly every day. Sometimes two or three times a day. I just come back to that point. Not that I need saving again and again and again and again. I don't believe I do. But oh, I want to keep it real in my life. I want to keep it just fresh in me that Jesus died for me and that he's changed me. And I believe that in my heart. I believe under righteousness. And then I make that confession with my mouth under salvation. I want you just to bow your heads with me for a moment. And the reason that we're doing this right now, I learned this. I thank God that I can learn. And what I want you to do right now is just allow the Holy Spirit to say and speak to you and say, tell you, what you need to get out of all of this this morning. Where you need to be, what needs to be going on. In a moment, we'll stand. and As we stand, if you feel like you need prayer or just need to come to pray, as the Holy Spirit speaking to you even right now, then I want to encourage you to come on and do that.